0: Bible. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Tim. Our children are going to go out for their programs now, so I'm just going to pray for them as they head off at the moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for the children among us and for the opportunity they have to learn and to um, uh, get engaged in your word as well. And we pray that you would be with them as they go out for their activities today. Thank you. Amen. So the kids are going out, toddler times in the creche and Kingfishers and Swamp will be out in the foyer and in the hall. So let's make your way out here. I just have to get something. So while they do that, I'll just go and get it. As you heard in the parable today, we're talking a bit about mustard seeds today and their significance in the kingdom of God. Um, mustard seeds, mustards are one of, the, one of those things that when I was a child, it was, one, it was sort of a mysterious substance. didn't really know where it came from. It was only many years later that I realised that actually there's a seed that they grind up to make into mustard. You, know, I just, it's one of the, you just think, well, what is mustard? It, it was only I think about last year that I found out what mayonnaise was as well. So, you know, I'm... <laughs> No, it's just mayonnaise. May- that, does it grow on a mayonnaise plant? I don't know. Uh, so if you'd, if you'd like a takeaway conversation from this uh, sermon, perhaps you can discuss after the service, what is the best kind of mayonnaise? I'm sure there will be a lot of controversy. So if nothing else, here's something for you to talk about. We're thinking about mustard seeds, though, in a more spiritual way. So let's, th- let's see what Jesus had to say about mustard seeds in our parable this morning. Um, In the past two weeks, we've been working, as Del said, through some of the parables that Jesus told. You know, the stories that he told to help people understand what he was doing and what his message was. And we've been looking in particular at parables that Jesus told about uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We've explained, hopefully, regularly what he meant when he talked about the kingdom of God. And what he was talking about as the kingdom of God is everything that God is doing in the world and in the lives of people. That's the kingdom of God. What is God doing anywhere in the world that we can see? The, the kingdom of God is a very difficult topic to understand because it is so broad and it is so has got so much in it. And that's why Jesus framed it in terms of images and stories to help us understand and to get penetrate into the mystery of what the kingdom of God actually is. So this is the third parable in this series that we've been looking at, and it's also the third where Jesus uses a metaphor from farming or gardening to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. Last week, if you remember, we looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And Jesus explained there that the kingdom of God is like a field of wheat, which has weeds growing up in it. And it's the idea that there is still, in the kingdom of God as it goes, evil is still mixed in in the world. The world is a bit of a mixed up place. But God is being patient and waiting for things to grow. So that, and then at the end, he can separate out evil from good. So it helped us to think about the problem of evil and how God is patient and we can still hope in him. So that was last week and this week we're thinking again about a sort of different part of that topic. Jesus is talking to people about uh, the way in which the kingdom of God grows. How does the kingdom of God grow and what's the method or style of its growth? And for this he uses the images of the mustard seed and then later the yeast um, in the dough. And the basic point that um, Jesus makes actually in the first parable of the mustard seed is a quite simple one, that the kingdom of God is like a seed. And a seed is something small that grows into something a lot bigger. And that's a, that's a very easy image for us to, to grab a hold of. And you might say then that the parable of the mustard seed has, a, has the message from little things, big things grow. Okay? When I say that, and when you see that, there might be a bit of a, and a song going through your head. Is anyone having that experience? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, depending on your age, you might be thinking of a jingle from a recent ad for a super fund that was on. Um, or you might remember the Paul Kelly song from the early 90s. And he, was, he used this image to talk about um, Aboriginal land rights in Australia and how it grew from a very small incident in the 1960s into what it is today. Big things come from little things. Um, and that's a reality that we see in the world a lot. We've been pondering that in our family this week. Last, um, yesterday was the first birthday of our son, Finn. So uh, one year ago, we brought home this very small bundle uh, wrapped up in a blanket, and now he's someone who tries to walk around and yells at us when we take his cup, and he's becoming a, a bigger person now. Uh, and so we see this happen everywhere. Big things grow from things that are very small. Um, and Jesus is use, talking about that dynamic um, when he talks about the kingdom of God, so God brings God has big plans for the world, but He's going to start with little things to do it. And Jesus said, "This is what was happening in His own time," uh, because when Jesus was saying this parable, the movement that He was starting was very small indeed. Um, Jesus Himself was an insignificant travelling teacher; He only had a handful of followers, and He wasn't wasn't very well known; wasn't world famous. Um, But he's saying from this thing, this seed is going to grow big things. The kingdom of God is going to be growing. And that's what the parable of the mustard seed says. So the gardener is someone who plants a very small seed in his garden and it grows into this big plant, this tree. And birds come and rest rest in its branches and it has a wonderful impact. So Jesus is saying there are small things um, that are happening that we shouldn't despise because the kingdom of God grows from those things. Now, i just have to do a diversion for a little bit, because if you study this passage at all, you'll soon realize that for many people, the most interesting question that it really raises is whether or not, in fact, the mustard seed is actually the smallest of all seeds, as Jesus says. Um, you probably might have thought that when, we were, when you heard the parable. And I can imagine if Jesus, when he first preached this sermon, and he had a Q&A afterwards, that would be the first question that everyone asked. Jesus, is the mustard seed really the smallest of all seeds? Um, it may seem like a trivial question, but it seems to grip people. and might be an obstacle to getting into what the passage is actually saying. Um, and it's important to read the Bible properly in, in, the, in, in how it was intended. So I can put you out of your suspense and tell you that no, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed of all. Does anyone know what is the smallest seed? Probably not. I had to look it up, there's no shame in not knowing that it. uh, there's a rainforest orchid in South America that has heaps smaller seeds than the mustard seed. So. Now, um, the fact that the mustard seed isn't the smallest of all seeds troubles some people, or some people find it really exciting, um, because it proves for them that, oh, Christianity's a bit false, Jesus was, didn't know what he was talking about, the Bible's full of errors, and you know, you don't need to worry about it. Um, but there are many Christians who sort of we will wrestle with this because we want to believe that Jesus is telling the truth, of course. Um, and so you give these elaborate justifications to say that this was in fact true. Um, I, I would describe that as sort of being the, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi defense from The Return of the Jedi. Um, I don't know how many Star Wars fans here, I'm assuming a number. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi is an old man, and in one of the movies, he tells what is a, essentially a very large lie. Um, if you know, I won't spoil what it is because it's part of the story. But later on, he comes back and says, he's confronted with the lie, and he says, Oh, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. It's a very famous phrase. And we shouldn't judge Obi Wan too harshly because at the time he was saying that he was dead and appearing in ghost form, so he had a lot going on. But um, <laughs> anyway, the point is, I think this is not what Jesus is doing. He's not telling us something that's true from a certain point of view. He's not making a mistake about the size of the mustard seed. It's not really important, actually, if it's the, actually the smallest of all seeds. He's telling a story, trying to get us to think about the kingdom of God. And it's a common knowledge the mustard seed is pretty small, and it grows into a plant that's pretty big. So I hope we can probably put that behind us. It's not, the story is about the kingdom of God, not about the mustard seed um, and how big it is. But it actually helps... The mustard seed and the, and the mustard tree helps us think about um, what, Jesus, you know, what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God. Because um, the, mustard, the mustard tree becomes relevant when we think about what actually might we expect um, if we get involved with Jesus and his kingdom, if we follow him and commit our lives to him, in terms of what kind of movement we're actually getting ourselves involved in. Um, now, if you're like me, uh, you probably like joining groups, organisations that are quite successful, You know, things that are doing well, um, things that appear to be you know, on the growth, um, because it feels good to be part of that. We wanna know something's doing well before we commit to being a part of it. And that may be one reason why in Australia, there's still really only two major political parties, even though many people don't seem very satisfied with them. You know? but, Would you like to start a small, unsuccessful political party? It seems a bit hard, wouldn't it? Um, One of the interesting things about Australian culture, however, is that we often do actually go for the less successful group, you know, the underdog. That's a bit of our culture that's interesting. And lots lots of people I know keep following their AFL team despite being disappointed every single year. You can insert the the team here that you're thinking of (laughs) when we say that. Um, Live in hope, uh, even though it's not successful. So Jesus is saying his followers actually should have that attitude, really, in one sense, to the kingdom of God, um, because he's calling people to join him in a small, not particularly successful movement, and one that might not appear to be doing very well. He says, you join me, you'll probably lose a lot of your friends, uh, you're going to be persecuted, you might die, and it might appear that God is not actually doing much through you. So the parable of the mustard seed actually addresses that reality of what what it feels like uh, to be part of the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is that the growth of the kingdom of God in the world is not going to be judged in the end by the small start that it's had. It's actually going to be judged by the result when it's fully grown. Not the seed, but by the tree that comes from it. From a small seed to a large tree where the birds can come and rest in its branches. And so Jesus is using this image of the mustard seed and the tree to say that the kingdom of God is probably going is is not probably he knows going to be more successful in the long run than other movements, other nations, other other things that actually appear to be more successful at the time, particularly some of the big nations that have existed throughout world history. So when he uses this picture, there's also, he's, he's alluding in to several places in the Old Testament where uh, some of the large empires of the time are described in the terms of a tree where people come and rest, the birds come, the smaller nations come and rest under these great empires. So in Daniel chapter 4, the empire of Babylon is described as a great tree that shelters birds in its branches. And in Ezekiel 31, the same thing is said of the Assyrian empire. So there are these these great nations, they are perceived as these great trees, but the the prophetic messages there go on to say that God is going to judge those uh, empires, the the trees are gonna be stripped of their leaves and chopped down. Um, God is gonna judge them and they won't last. And that's that's what happened, obviously. Babylon and Assyria don't exist anymore, those empires, they're gone. Um, They were conquered. So Jesus is saying, and contrasting his kingdom with those kingdoms, unlike those kingdoms, this tree is never going to be cut down, the tree of the kingdom of God. It will continue to grow and remain. And so the point he's saying is it doesn't actually matter how, how strong something appears to be at the moment. What matters is what lasts. And what lasts is going to be God's kingdom in the world, not the other kingdoms. And that's something that, if you look at the history of the Christian church, you can see actually has happened many times. Now, the church is one of the most significant signs of God's kingdom in the world, people who've actually decided to follow Jesus. and then it, But it's often found itself in conflict with other kingdoms in the world. There was a great example of that last century. You know, when for 70 years the Soviet Union was a great, powerful empire with many other small nations under its resting in its branches... Um, it appeared very successful, and it used its power to oppose the church and to attempt to frustrate the kingdom of God in its own way. And if you had to bet at the time on who was going to prevail, you would probably think that the, the Soviet government had it all locked up, you know, and the kingdom of God was going to take a defeat. But we know that that's not the case, don't we? Like Babylon, the Soviet Union does not exist anymore. That tree has been cut down. The kingdom of God remains, though. The church in Russia continues; it grows, and God is still working there. So, this this pa- dynamic has happened again and again throughout history. It's happening now. If we think about perhaps uh, the way the um, the persecution of Christians in places like China, and we we believe as Christians that the kingdom of God persists throughout against these power, powerful nations because the, the, His tree will continue to grow. And so, the point is here is not to have this narrow and short-term perspective of what God's doing in the world. Um, because he has the big perspective and he's looking for what is, is going to last in the long run. You know. And that applies to how we look at um, what's going on in, in the kingdom of God in our own country as well, when we look around. Um, we don't have totalitarian dictators um, persecuting us or trying to stop us from following God, but the church in Australia, for many people, does seem to be a very small thing. Um, easy to ignore, it's irrelevant, it's behind the times, it's declining not doing very well, not very significant. Um, and the parable of the mustard seed reminds us that regardless of how we feel when we look at God's kingdom and as a how it is in Australia, that's not the reality. Um, you know, secular society may seem very to be very dominant, but it's just another tree that will grow. And in the end, the kingdom of God will grow um, in this country and in this world. So, We can't judge the growth of the kingdom of God by what we see, only by what comes in time and in God's time. And that's what Jesus is saying here in the parable of the mustard seed. We judge things by what happens at the end and what it will be when God's plan is finished. So I think this parable is told to give us perspective again on what God is doing in history and to help us to be confident if we're part of his kingdom and and hoping to see it grow, that it is, even if it seems very small at the time. So that's the mustard seed. Uh, there are two parables though in this passage and the second as we saw is about a piece of yeast being mixed through some dough and being which is being used to make bread. And we probably all know what happens when you put yeast in a piece of dough, makes it rise. Not quite that quick, that's a time lapse but um, you get the point. Um, so if you don't put yeast into bread as you're making it, you might get some very nice flat bread but you don't get the nice big loaves that we like um, and Jesus is saying this is again what the kingdom of God is like. Um, <clears throat> he's saying the kingdom of God is like, is like a, this loaf with a very small, seemingly insignificant yeast is put in, which has a huge impact and growth throughout the whole of the bread. And so Jesus is saying that in the kingdom of God, there are small actions, insignificant people can have great impact and great influence beyond what you would think that they can a small piece of yeast can change a huge amount of dough and can have a huge impact on its size and growth. In the parable, he says there's 60 pounds of flour. If you can imagine that's a lot of flour, you could make a lot of bread out of that. You just need a small amount of the yeast to put it in to permeate the whole dough and to change it and make it grow. And so this is important, If again, if you think about the kingdom of God and what he's doing in the world, because we do have difficulty, I think, when we're faced with, the, with what appears to be the reality of the world, that things that are very hard, there's a lot of difficult problems, it's hard to think how we can have an impact um, for God in any meaningful way if we're small people, ordinary, insignificant. Uh, well, Jesus is saying, that Jesus is saying well, the, the kingdom of God doesn't actually work usually through big, powerful people uh, and big, powerful movements. It works through small amounts of influence. It's a, something that works... Through small people, small groups, which have a big impact on the, on the world around them for the kingdom. And again, this is something we can see in the history of the church, uh, particularly if you think about the way the early Christians after Jesus saw themselves in the Roman Empire, and they precisely saw themselves this way, as a sort of leaven, a little bit of yeast within that great um, big empire. You know, they were a small group of people for the first century after Jesus. There was probably only a few, few thousand Christians in the world. But through their witness to Jesus, through the way they lived, they had a tremendous impact on their society. Um, They lived in such a great way, even though they were unimportant people, that they drew this attention and and influence. And eventually the influence of Christians became so great that it permeated throughout this entire empire, like like yeast through dough. And the Roman Empire made Christianity its official religion. And that was this, this is what Jesus is saying. This is the kind of thing that can happen in the kingdom of God. So when we think about what this might mean for us in our own lives, we can think about, I mean, the influence and size of the church is one thing to think about. But the kingdom of God, as I've said, is wider than that. It's actually about everything that God's doing in the world and in our own lives. Um, so what Jesus is telling us, that alongside the world that we see, which we might think of as reality. There's also this other reality growing up alongside it, the kingdom of God and it can grow from very small things and it may be, seem insignificant at the time. So actually these two parables are parables of hope for ordinary people who are following Jesus. They're parables of hope for us because it, t- it means that God is going to take the small things that we do, the small, maybe the small church that we are or the small person that I am the, and the things that I can do and turn them into something big. That's how, the, that's how his kingdom... They are going to be the basis for the growth of his kingdom. So, for instance, it's, I think this is a word of hope to parents who are raising children, hoping that they will follow God, that the small things that we do, the small acts of service, the words that we say, can have a huge impact on the lives of these children that have been entrusted to us. And they will, in turn... Um, go out into the world and do things that, you know, and have impact for God as well, even though that things we do seem small and perhaps not very effective at the time. Um, It's an encouragement for those who are participating in our local community as Christians, being part of committees, helping out at special events, getting involved in um, community action groups, coming along to a working V, um, coaching a local sporting team. You know, all these things are actually small things where the impact you have for the kingdom of God can be very great, even if you don't see it at the time. And that's how God works. And And also, if you think about how people come to know God, how people become Christians, usually when you talk to them, there's been small things that have happened throughout their lives, words that people have said to them, someone whose life they were impressed by or some action of service. And that has had a great impact on them and they, they, they come to know Jesus. It's not always a big thing. And so we can be encouraged that the little things we do can help people you know, know Jesus too. You know, one day, maybe 500 years from now, when the history books of the church are being written, there might be people in this congregation who, who get a whole chapter because of the marvellous legacy they've had in the kingdom of God which we don't see now, but it might grow in the years to come. We don't know, um, but God is saying that sort of thing can happen. People who are doing small things um, can, be, can have great impact. So the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and it is like yeast. So from these little things, big things are going to grow. So in God's time and in God's kingdom, there's nothing insignificant. None of us are too small to have a part to play. So Jesus encourages us to, take, to do that and to take part in what he's doing. So I'm going to pray now that we can think about that in our own lives as well. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have planted the seed of your kingdom in this world and that it will grow to be something fantastic. And it has in many places in, across, throughout history borne amazing um, fruit in the lives of nations and of people. And we pray that we would be part of that, that you would help us with our small influence and impact Uh, to make big changes in the society and groups in which we live, in our families and our friends. And we thank you for this opportunity to be part of what you're doing in growing your kingdom in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.